Well, hello, Foothills Church. Welcome back. Yeah. Can't tell you how excited I am um, to actually be in the room and actually see faces today um, and smiles. Can everybody just smile real quick? John, can I see a smile there? Nice, nice. Stu, can you give me a real big smile? You didn't smile. I, I love how not only are we back, but we're actually back in the same seats too, aren't we? I love it. We did, we, it's like we didn't miss a beat. Like we just show up today and boom, we're back in the same seat. Uh, man, it, it, if you would have told me um, a year ago or I don't know, four months ago that we were gonna become an online church for 16 straight weeks, I would have laughed and said, our church would be over. Like we would end. Like we wouldn't be able to pay the bills. We wouldn't be able to um, uh, become, like create a, basically a TV program for 16 straight weeks. Like, um, but Man, we did. And um, not only did it work, but things have been going really well. And, and, and really, I think the main reason why it's been so good is that we have an amazing staff here at FC. Um, they have been working overtime. I mean, Zoom calls, creative meetings, strategy meetings, organizing all kinds of local ministries and um, just amazing like recording videos for online content and just endless, tireless work. And so um, I am so grateful for our staff here. And I know you guys are grateful as well. We're a church that loves our staff. We care about our staff. Can we just, yeah, just thank them for a minute. They've been working incredibly hard. And uh, man, I'm so thankful that, that God has brought us the team uh, that he has. But, you know, from the beginning of this thing, we knew that, that FC wasn't about a Sunday morning program. We knew that FC wasn't built around uh, just a gathering of people for some kind of event. Uh, we're, we're built and have been built on relationships. Relationships are stronger than a global pandemic. Our church isn't built on events, it's not built on programs, it's built on an idea that Jesus had. The idea that Jesus had, the vision that he had, was that we were to make disciples and we were to make disciples all over the world. And he wanted us to watch how he did that. He wanted us to take note. And what he did was he lived his life in a small group and he taught them, he developed relationship with them, he developed those men into leaders so that then they would go out and replicate themselves and continue to make disciples. And you know, thousands of years later, here we are worshiping this Jesus. I, I think he did a pretty good job. And um, that's what FC is all about. That's what our church is all about. That's what this vision is all about. And that's why I am thankful for you as well. Many of you, haven't stopped giving, you haven't stopped uh, engaging with us online. You've been sending notes, emails, that kind of encouraging stuff. You've been praying, you've been serving where you can. You've done Zoom calls with you know, your leaders, uh, volunteer leaders, and you've done Zoom calls even with me. And, and God has just affirmed in me and grown in my heart, just a love for this church, a love for this city, a love for this vision, and just a passion and energy to continue to do what God is calling us to do, which is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And so that's at least one thing that I think God has been teaching me. And, and that's one of the many reasons uh, we have decided to proceed as a church to renovate the building next door for our family ministry. Um, you know, we were supposed to do it in the spring and everything kind of happened. And so we kind of pushed pause. Uh, but now we feel confident that the Lord, our elders feel, feel confident 
that God wants us to proceed. And so this summer, we're gonna renovate that space for our babies, for our preschool, uh, for all of these young, amazing families that have all of these kids, uh, which is amazing and great. And so we're gonna make it a beautiful space for them. Uh, Upstairs is gonna be environments for journey classes and for small groups for student ministry on Wednesday night. Also gonna be some office space for our our team, which they don't even have offices right now. Most of them just work out in the open. And so uh, God is gonna use it in great, great ways. And next Sunday, I'm gonna talk more about it. We're gonna be able to show you some visuals about that in the coming days, which is gonna be really, really exciting. It's gonna be um, uh, awesome. And, And I think what, what I've learned and, and, and just what God has, has doing is despite the craziness of this season, God has been doing some really awesome and big things. And so I wanna encourage you today that you have been doing amazing. Like as a church, um, we've been doing some great things together. We wanna build off of that momentum. Obviously, uh, we wanna continue the vision. We, we do wanna be safe and we're obviously not through this season. Um, you know, we, we've gotta continue to be wise uh, at this time. But at the same time, like we can't stop living our life. We can't stop the vision that God has given to us. We can't stop doing what God has called us to do. And so that's why I love the idea of our first Sunday being back, uh, to be back in person on July 4th weekend because we, we celebrate uh, our freedom as a nation uh, yesterday, uh, but, but also we as a church get to celebrate our freedom and liberty to worship God, gather together. The First Amendment right gives us the freedom to um, pursue our religion gives us the right to gather and assemble together, gives us the freedom of speech to be able to do this today. And and so we've kind of been giving up that right for the last 16 weeks, but today we get to celebrate uh, together uh, on a monumental day. I think dates are important. And so I'm gonna remember July 4th, 2020 as being the Sunday that we gathered in person uh, for the rest of my ministry. And so we can can all lock that away. I think dates are important important. John Adams, one of our nation's uh, founding leaders, he was uh, one of the original signers of the declaration. He was our first vice president and he was the second president of the U.S. And uh, uh, he wrote several writings, wrote a lot of letters to his wife, Abigail. And I wanted to start today with something that he wrote to his wife uh, as he was explaining to her what he hoped the July 4th celebration would actually look like in generations to come. So here's what John Adams wrote. He said, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade and shows and games and sports and guns and bells and bonfires and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. You will think me transported with enthusiasm. In other words, you might think I'm crazy, but I'm not. (laughs) I am well aware, he said, of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means and that posterity will triumph in that day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust in God, we shall not. 
You know, Adams wrote this on July 3rd, 1776. And he reflects this excitement of this pursuit of liberty and the significance of the Declaration of Independence from England. And he warned us and wanted us to remember this day and to celebrate it. Um, And I think what we gotta realize is the war hadn't even started yet. Um, I mean, they were fighting and there was a lot going on, but officially the, 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 the Revolutionary War hadn't really kicked in, but he was excited about the declaration, but he was also keenly aware of the severe cost that freedom was going to require. The toil, he says, the blood, the treasure, in other words, the money, the lives that would be taken the, the difficult journey that it was going to require. And through it all, through all the gloom, he says, I can see rays of ravishing light and glory. I wonder if through all the gloom that we have been experiencing over the last several weeks in this season, if you've been able to sit back and see the rays of ravishing light and glory, that are before us. I think it takes a special person to not get caught up in all the gloomy details that are set before you and forget to look at the big picture. Forget to look at the purpose for which we are living our life and realize that as we worship and serve the Lord, our eyes can be set upon these rays of ravishing glory before us. You know, Colossians 3, 2, Uh, teaches us to set our minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. And I think it's been difficult for us uh, with everything that's been going on um, to, to do that. Because sometimes we let the news and we let social media control our attitude and control our demeanor and it sets the tone for our day. John Adams was able to envision the light and glory that was before this nation rise above the the gloom that they were experiencing and would experience, set his mind on things above. I 100% believe uh, he was able to do that because he was a follower of Jesus. No doubt in his writings, uh, they show us a deep faith in God. I think he was one of the most influential founding fathers that we actually had. It was him that recommended George Washington uh, be the Continental Army, uh, the, the general of the Continental Army. It was him that wrote the first constitution of Massachusetts, uh, which is the oldest uh, written constitution in the world. And it was that constitution that Jefferson and others used uh, to kind of go off of to to write our uh, uh, US Declaration of Independence. So in the Massachusetts Declaration, Adams wrote, all men are born free and equal and have the right of enjoying and defending their lives and liberties. Um, Adams, he was a phenomenal guy. He never owned a slave. Uh, He was always against slavery. And in fact, in 1783, Massachusetts, where he was serving, um, made slavery illegal way before the Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Truly phenomenal guy. Now, uh, it's a lot of history. Um, Let's let's pause for a second. Let's, Let's realize in 2020, The political fight that's going on is pretty terrible. I think we could all agree with it. We're all pretty fed up with it. But the reality is politics has always been ugly. It's always been brutal. In fact, actually one more story, history story. I love history. Um, In fact, my guy, John Adams, 
Um, he was the, the second vice president. He won the second presidency and he chose as his vice president, Thomas Jefferson. And um, at the end of his uh, first term, he was running for a second term and Jefferson decided to run against him. Now, Adams mentored Jefferson, kind of poured into him, taught him the ropes and uh, Jefferson ran against him. And it wasn't just any kind of um, political campaign. It was a very vicious, very personal attack on his good friend and mentor, John Adams. And uh, because of, of that, their friendship ended. They were kind of political enemies from that point on. And if you know history, you know Jefferson beat him out. Um, but towards the end of their career, as they were older gentlemen, they, they started to reconnect via letters and kind of rekindled their friendship. And what's interesting about these two men who had so much influence on the foundation of our country um, is that they actually died on the very same day. And it wasn't just any day, it was July 4th. And it wasn't just any July 4th, it was the 50th birthday of our nation. You see, I believe dates are important. I, I believe dates uh, play a big role sometimes and, and it's through dates that sometimes we see the sovereignty of God. I don't think it was an accident that two of our founding fathers died on the same day. I don't think it was a coincidence that they died on July 4th and I don't think it was a fluke that they died on such a special anniversary, the 50th birthday of our nation. You see, when you read the Bible, you realize that there's something that we, what, what we learn and talk about, it's called God's sovereignty. God's, God's sovereignty means that there is absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that is outside of God's influence and outside of God's authority. Everything is, is from God and through God. He's the ultimate source of all power. He's the ultimate source of authority in everything that exists. And so we can look at history and we can all as Christians, knowing the sovereignty of God, we can all agree that America didn't happen by accident. If you're a Christian, you believe this. You, you know that America was not a fluke. It wasn't an accident. It didn't just happen because they won a war. There were a lot of nations and, and people groups who won battles and wars and not one single nation ever created a free nation that followed. You see, it happened because God had a plan for the world. And he used men like John Adams to create this nation. It wasn't an accident. And so on July 4th, you know, we, we take this day uh, to celebrate, to remember, to be grateful for the freedom that we get to experience, that God gave to us. God gave you this freedom. God gave us this nation of, of, of free men and women to actually enjoy the, the idea that, that God created human beings to be free is one of our ideas and ideals as a nation. In fact, you remember what the Declaration of Independence says, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now the writers of this declaration were saying, these truths that we're about to talk about are self-evident. In other words, they're no-brainers. Like, 
like everybody understands this. Like we know that, that God gave us this, that, that there is a creator. He created us equal. And this is, this is self-evident in our own hearts and in our own minds. By, by definition, since God granted such rights, what they were saying is that governments could not take them away. And so this unalienable right simply means it's a right that God has given to all mankind at creation once and for all. And since God has granted such rights to us, governments cannot take them away. So the writers of the declaration, they start a revolution, they start a war, and for the first time in history, a government would be established to protect the rights that God Almighty has given to all people. It's unbelievable. Think about what has happened. We take it for granted. We light some firecrackers and go to bed. This is incredible. <laughs> Never in the history of the world has this ever happened. It is truly a miracle. They were recognizing that there is a creator and he created us equally and he created us to be free. Man, what an incredible idea that they themselves didn't really even grasp, right? Because they made some huge mistakes. But how in the world were they able to create such a document with so much uh, truth and passion in it? It, all, it only could be explained by the hand of God. It, it was God directing them. It was God leading them. And here we are 244 years later, enjoying the freedom that this document has created for you and I. But, but we can all agree that over the last 20 years, we've seen, um, we've seen a lot of people trying to rewrite history, trying to rewrite American history um, for whatever reasons. And there is a demonization of early Americans that's, that's really taken place. And uh, they would rather create an emphasis on guilt rather than gratitude, as if I should feel guilty for somebody else's sins. Of course, we cringe when we learn about the mistreatment of Native Americans and the atrocity of slavery in America. You have to realize that some of the founding fathers were Christians. Many of them were not. Many early Americans were Christians, but many of them we're not. And so we have to keep that into perspective. We've got to recognize that God wasn't blessing the creation of a nation because people deserved it. He wasn't creating this nation and he wasn't blessing this group of men because they were always right or because they were always good or because they always made the right decision. No, God was blessing them because of his perfect sovereign will and love. The song that I used to sing in elementary school was called America the Beautiful. I don't think you get to sing patriotic songs in school anymore, but... Um, I did anybody else sing patriotic songs? And one of the phrases in that song is, God shed his grace on thee. I love that phrase um, because God has certainly shed his grace on this nation. There is no doubt about it. But again, that doesn't mean that God approved of everything evil that was occurring in this nation. 
It means that God is a, is, is a God of grace and love and mercy and he had a bigger plan and, and he blessed a bunch of sinful people like us to give us a nation where you and I could sit here today and freely worship him and freely talk about our freedom, talk about his glory, the symbol, without the fear of anyone coming in here to tell us that we can't do it any longer. And so for that, we praise him. For that, we honor him today. God is blessing our nation still. Not because we deserve it, but because, again, he's chosen to do it. And as his people, we should always seek to follow him and we've got to make it better, continually make it better. I do think, I think it's hypocritical to demonize early Americans and forget about the Americans that are murdered every single year in America who are still not recognized as created equally. Legal abortions killed almost 900,000 Americans. And so while our nation has a gloomy past, we also have a gloomy present reality. But just like slavery was abolished in American law and through American law, I believe one day America will realize that all men are created equal and that they are endowed with a certain inalienable right, even if they are in the womb. They deserve a chance. Yeah. So like my guy, John Adams, I wanna see through the gloom of today and I wanna look to God to see the rays of ravishing light and glory to come. Why? because there are still many of God's people who are fighting for justice today, who are on their knees today, praying for God's mercy, who still believe in a God of miracles, who believe that he's gonna come through for us, and that as Americans, you and I get to carry the principles of God's word into a culture, and you and I can be the salt and we can be the light that continues to create positive change. Why? Because we live and a nation that allows us to do that. America wasn't founded by perfect people and America is not filled with perfect, perfect people today. But make no mistake about it, the birth of America was not an accident. God's hand and his providence has blessed this nation more than any other nation in the history of the world. And because of his blessing, you and I have work to do. God didn't bless you with a nation that is free so that you could soak up all those blessings and you know, eat hamburgers and hot dogs once a year and grill and go to the lake or whatever to celebrate once a year. No, he expects some things from us. This is why he has blessed us to be in this nation. And so I wanna give you at least two uh, things that I believe are required of our freedom today. There's many more. We could talk about it forever, but if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I would encourage you to write down. Liberty requires special responsibility, not special privileges. You see, the reality that you and I are free today means that you and I have a responsibility. Doesn't mean that we just kick, it, kick back easy and, and ignore the problems that are around us and just you know, complain about everything. It doesn't mean that we just you know, take this as a special privilege and just you know, soak it up like we're a member of a country club. Oh, I'm a member here, so I get to do and say what I want to whenever I want to. No, when you turn 16, uh, you are free to get your license. And um, you, know, you get your license and you go out and you're driving. And, uh, but if you break a rule of your parents, that freedom can be taken away, right? 
How many of you as a teenager, your parents took away you know, your keys for a season? Really? Oh yeah? Why'd they take it away? I'm just kidding, don't answer that. He was about to, he was about to tell me. Yeah, you have the freedom to drive, you break curfew, and your parents uh, can take those keys away, right? You, you, you use that liberty as a privilege, you break the rules, and that liberty can be taken away from you. And so that's the, that's the idea that, that we have to live with here. Too often we see people using this liberty just for special privileges, like being a, a, a member of a country club that, that I, 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 I'm a member here, I can do and say whatever I want without really thinking about who it's gonna hurt or who I'm going to actually offend. And, and so I can, in the comfort of my own living room, go by a different name on social media, say and do whatever hateful thing I wanna say and do like a coward and never have to face anybody uh, one-on-one or face-to-face. And that's where we live. This is the world that we're, we're dealing with. But scripture teaches us a different story, shows us a different way to live. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. In other words, don't let your freedom of speech be a cover-up to say a bunch of evil things, to hurt people with your words. It's like saying I'm free to drive so I can run over anybody that gets in my way. No, you can't. Live as free people, right? But don't let that freedom be a cover-up to ignore issues, to say and be hateful, to hurt other people. And and, and he says, "I, I want you instead to live a righteous life. I want you to live as servants of God. In our country, our liberty gives us the freedom to essentially be as selfish as we wanna be. Laws don't motivate you. They don't motivate me to be selfless or to be kind. So we consistently push the envelope. That's why we always ask, what's the speed limit? (laughs) Because we wanna know how fast am I allowed to go? And if we were honest, we go about five miles over that speed limit because there's this unwritten assumption, right? That surely they're not gonna pull us over for that five miles over. See, we're constantly pushing the envelope. And it's because of that constant push of the envelope, that nature that is within us, that again, our our buddy John Adams had some powerful words for us. He wrote this, our constitution was made, our constitution was made only for a religious and moral people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Wow, Adams understood that our system of government will only work if the people in that system are moral people. It's not gonna work if the people of our nation lose that morality, if they walk away from God, because laws don't motivate us to be kind to one another. Laws don't motivate you to help people or serve people or give people a good deal if you run a business. That's not what is inside of our nature. We have a sinful nature. And only the ability to be kind to others and the fruits of the spirit that we read in the scripture, only that can come from a God who lives within us. 
And if each of us allow that infusion of the gospel to live inside of our life, then it can then move into the world around us, becoming salt and light, becoming something that makes culture around us better. And so we've got some hard work to do. We've got a lot of hard work to do. You know, the early Americans had to fight a war against the the greatest military the, the world had seen at that time. And they had to sacrifice life and limb and they had to draw up weapons and cannons and they had to leave their families and many of them had to pay their life for that freedom. Our war is different today. Our war is more of a spiritual battle today. We don't, we're not taking up weapons of, of, of like cannons and guns. No, our weapon is prayer. Our weapon is conversations that are uncomfortable that need to be had. Our weapon is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you can, you can complain all day about America if you want to and watch the news and criticize whatever progressive liberal you want to. But if you can't say that in the last month you shared the gospel with somebody, then you are part of the problem. Amen. And it's time for believers to recognize this this little soapbox of complain and get on social media like a coward and you're bad and you're bad and not using the one weapon that God says, this one's gonna work. Not your philosophy, not what you think, this one is gonna work. And so we've got some hard work to do. The further our nation moves away from God, the more this government, as Adams you know, predicted, is not gonna work. It is gonna fall apart. And so liberty requires special responsibility and it's our responsibility, I believe, as God's people to infuse this work into our culture. So a good question would be, how can you leverage your freedom to live as a servant of God instead of just using your freedom to do selfish things? Secondly, liberty requires special gratitude, not special arrogance. So there is an, an American arrogance that uh, exists today. We're free, we do whatever, we're the best, look at us, we got swagger, we beat everybody in the Olympics, we do this, we do that, we're awesome, we're awesome, we're awesome. And I think that's despicable to God. Instead, this liberty ought to require us to be grateful and humble people. Our freedom's gotta lead us to this. Uh, we can't let that freedom Make us think that, all right, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. Who cares what people are gonna think and who cares who it hurts? If we do that, we're, we're acting out of arrogance and we're not living with a grateful heart as, as Christ calls us to live. Here's how Paul tells us and teaches us in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, I have a right to do anything. You say, but, every, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. See, here's the reality. Like, yeah, you have the right to say and do whatever you wanna say. You can hurt people all day long if you want to. You could ignore uh, issues that we have in America if you choose to and just focus on your own life. But Paul says not everything is beneficial and not everything is constructive. And so he would turn our attention that would lead us into actions that would lead to positive change. Here's what Colossians teaches us in chapter three. Paul says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts 
to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, if you wanna be a thankful person, in fact, he calls you to be a thankful person. And the thankful person, first and foremost, allows the word of Christ to dwell in you richly, which simply means you allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. I don't think you can be a thankful person if you don't have the word of God hidden in your heart. Because every single one of us, without the word of God in our heart, are gonna lean towards selfish things. We're gonna be drawn into inward prideful things. It's just in our nature. So he says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. So we, we, we hide it in our heart. We understand it. We know it. We read it on our own, not just on Sunday morning, read to us, but it's a part of who we are. He says, if you want to be a, a, a thankful person, you also need to be willing to teach and admonish in wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom alone comes from God. So if you're the type of person that likes to share, you know, certain political opinions and it does not align with the wisdom of God, then what in the world are we doing? Our politics must be informed by the word of God alone. You don't create a certain ideology and, and policy and then try to fit your faith into it somehow. No, all morality, all ethics come from the word of God. And he informs us how we should live and how we should treat. And what our government can do outside of that is, 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 is part of how we as followers of Christ can influence them in that direction. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he says, if you're gonna be a thankful person, you're gonna be a singing person. You're gonna sing psalms and hymns and, and you're gonna sing spiritual songs because thankful people sing. I turn around and I look and I see so many of you like worshiping and singing out loud. I see a bunch of you like, you look like you're mad at somebody, like somebody just, you know, killed your cat. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, like how can we not be a thankful people? How can we not be in the presence of God's people singing these powerful lyrics and not smile occasionally? Like it just tells me your mind is, whew, your mind is on something else. Your mind is on how terrible things are, what's for lunch or, our minds ought to be on God. See, a grateful heart will sing out. The Bible calls it a joyful noise. <laughs> Doesn't, some noises sound better than others, right? <laughs> Whatever your noise is, if you want to be thankful, you're going to be a sing, singing person that, that gives uh, your, your gratitude to God in, in a song. Now, California, the government there is telling churches they can't sing because of the virus. I'm telling you, that's not going to stop God's people from singing. It's definitely not going to stop FC from singing, right? And, and then finally, he says, now do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father, right? So everything that we do is motivated by who Christ is. All things that we are doing, we do in and for and through him. Grateful people go to work in the name of Jesus, Grateful people fight for justice in the name of Jesus, not political parties. Grateful people are parents 
our leaders, start businesses, go into law, run for office. We do all of this in the name and for the name of Jesus. He is our king. We serve him. We seek to please him and live for him. Do all things in his name. That's what thankful people do, right? And I'm afraid sometimes we, are, we, we, we get this jumbled up in America. It's great to be patriotic as long as our patriotism hasn't trumped our love and service to Jesus, right? So we've got much to be thankful for today. We've got a nation, we've got a country that has given us the liberty and the freedom to do so much and to enjoy so many things in our world and in our life. And so today I thought it would be fitting for us to actually thank some people uh, that have gone the extra mile for us. We've been through a really stressful time, obviously, and, and this pandemic is changing our lives. And in the midst of sickness and racial tension and quarantine, there's been a group of heroes that have made our life a lot easier. And I thought it'd be helpful to recognize them and, and celebrate them today because liberty requires us to be thankful. So Pastor Landon, Pastor Heath, they're gonna recognize some of these folks and we're gonna join in gratitude. You guys down with that? Pastor Landon, take it away. This is Tiffany Everett. She is a middle school teacher at Carpenters Middle School and she represents all the teachers in our community who had to go virtual schooling in about just a few days. And many of them who have kids at home of their own. And so if you're a teacher from our community, would you just stand up and we wanna honor you this morning. Are there any teachers in the room? This here's Parker Cup, and he's a recent graduate of William Blunt High School, and our seniors had such a tragic and difficult semester where things were taken away, graduations got moved, everything that they had to do this last semester, but you guys fought through, you finished well, you finished strong, and we just want to honor you today. So if you are a graduate, um, a recent graduate, please stand, and we would love to honor you today. This is David Forrester. He is a small business owner in our community of a business called Kim Dry. And he represents all the small business owners who have been so impacted by the effects of the pandemic and what it's done to our economy. And we know how, how important small businesses are to our local economy. And you guys continually put your, your, your workers in front of yourselves and we're so thankful for you. So if you're a small business owner in our community, would you stand up so we can recognize you this morning? This here is Ryan Reed and Rod Davis. Um, Ryan's a firefighter and Rod is an EMT and they represent all of our first responders that have put themselves uh, on the back burner, that have thought of others and, and thought, you know what, I'm gonna put myself out there because I need to, to, to protect and to take care of our community and you guys have done it so faithfully and so well. And if you are a, one of our first responders, one of our firefighters, EMT, would you please stand so that we can honor you today?
This is Officer Martin Ward, and we are so thankful for all of our law enforcement officers in our community. And in an age like this, yeah. In, a, in an age like this to where there's so much scrutiny over our law enforcement, we're so thankful that you show up every single day putting your life on the line to serve and protect us. So if you're a law enforcement officer in our room, would you please stand so we can recognize you and honor you this morning? Thank you. This is Laurel Asher, and Laurel is a nurse at Children's Hospital, and she represents all of our healthcare workers, our healthcare professionals that, as we all know, have really stepped up. They have been on the front lines of this pandemic and have said, you know what, I'm willing to put myself at risk so that I can serve and love and care for others. So we love you and appreciate you all so much. And if you are a healthcare worker in this room, would you please stand so that we can honor you today? Then on a weekend like this, we know that we have the freedoms that we do today because of our military. And so this is Adam McNair. He is a, he's a retired Air Force, and this is Caleb Jackson, who is in our Air Force National Guard. And we're so thankful for, for you all and for those like you who've even lost their own lives to keep us free. And so if you have served or are currently serving in our military, would you please stand so that we can honor you today? Can we all stand to our feet and recognize all of these community heroes? Amen, church. You can have a seat. We're going to close with a song that I think is going to bless you. Um, but as you do, I just wanted to close with the idea that I have hope for America. I, I want to. I wanna see through the gloominess of where we're at right now and see some of those rays of, of ravishing light. And the reason why I'm, I'm hopeful today is because I look around in this group of people and I see young, I see older, I see black, I see white, I see Asian, I see probably some Republicans, probably some Democrats. I see all these differences, but I also sense a common thread. I see an underlying foundation of faith that supersedes all of our differences, that we have a faith in a God who sent his son Jesus to come and to die for our sins and to make us one race, one nation, right? He's forgiven us of our sins and now everything we do is for him. And that means that young people who are studying in the room, study to be ministers and doctors and teachers and lawyers and business leaders and whatever it is God calls you to do, you do that in the name of Jesus and you bring morality and, and, and the word of God that is, that is dwelling richly inside of you into that culture. And in doing so, God sheds his grace on thee. You know, it really was a miracle that a handful of of Christians came to this new land, leaving the, the, the tyranny of an abusive king. And they landed on the shores of Plymouth Rock and they kind of kicked this whole thing out. It was a miracle. 
God was truly shedding his grace on thee. It was a miracle that farmers could be turned into a continental army that would take on the greatest military force the world had seen at that time and actually defeat them. God shed his grace on thee. It was a miracle that the men who wrote the Declaration of of Independence did so with such genius verbiage that 244 years later, it is still standing through the test of time and winning freedom for everyone in this country. God shed his grace on thee. It was a miracle that in the Civil War, the Union Army was able to win and slavery would be abolished. The specific events that took place that that gave the Union the edge could only be explained by God shedding his grace on thee. Every war we won, every tragedy we overcame, every movement that led to freedom for all, through it all, God's sovereign hand has blessed our nation and brought us through it. We're a a nation founded on ideas and principles. And while the conscience of America is ever changing and will always, uh, will never be perfect, she still has a conscience. And that's why we're always fighting for reform and a better tomorrow today. And so is it gonna get worse? Could get worse, could get a lot worse if we pull away from God. Could get worse if we pull away from his church. Could get worse if we pull away from conversations that are needed to happen. Could get worse if we pull away from politics. Could get worse if we pull away from the, the, the practicing law or becoming teachers or starting businesses. Could get worse if we give up on the gospel, most definitely. But after all the blessings and miracles that our nation has actually experienced, should we believe that God is abandoning America? After all the miracles that we've experienced throughout the history of this country, should we believe that God has no more miracles left for us? See, I don't believe God is done with America. I believe if God's people will seek his face, get on our knees, seek his forgiveness. I believe his mercies will be made new in 2020. As strange as 2020 has been, as difficult as it has been, the pandemic has not stopped us. And I believe we're gonna see a miracle that's gonna defeat coronavirus. I actually believe that we're gonna see a miracle and that abortion will be made illegal in America. I believe that race relations will get better. Laws are not gonna be the reason though. God is gonna be the reason. And he wants to use you. He wants to use me. And so as we celebrate our day of independence this weekend, let us remember one closing thought here. We don't honor America for blessing God. We honor God for blessing America. Let's not get that reversed, (laughs) right? Proud to be an American, love our country, amen. 
But we don't bless a nation for blessing God. We bless and thank God who blessed the sinful group of people like you and me. He shed his grace on thee. And for that imperfect, this beautiful country, a beautiful mess of a people, amen. He still has given us something special. And for that, let's be thankful. And let's continue to do what he's called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you today. We ask that as followers of Christ, first and foremost, we would bless you for blessing our country. And we trust and pray that you aren't going to abandon us, that you're not done with us, that you're a God of miracles and you're gonna continue to do miracles. Healing is gonna come across our land. Relationships are gonna be restored, not because of anything we say or do, not because any laws that are created, but because you choose to do it through your people. And so we humbly seek your face. Forgive us, Lord, how we have failed you so miserably. We commit our heart and life to you today we ask that you would allow us to be faithful. Give us strength and wisdom that we would know how to lead and know, God, what you're calling us to do. That we would be a people that would be found faithful. Thank you for this beautiful nation, the beautiful people, every color that you've given to this nation. We thank you for your blessing. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.